to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling at TCO Performance Center in Egan. Thank you for waving, Ben. Mailbag edition, time yep. to answer your questions ahead of Vikings-Lions on Sunday. Big NFC North matchup with the division on the line. Uh, let's start off with this one from Noel. What would be the most painful way to miss the playoffs? What would be the least? So starting off with pain, what would be the most painful way, Ben, to miss the playoffs for these Vikings? It would have to be it coming down to the wire. Yep. Obviously. It would have to be it coming down to the last game, um, at which point you've probably beaten Detroit. I guess that, gosh, they could lose these next two games and still be on the door of the playoffs. Well, I would think the scenario that would inflict the most pain is watching the team take your spot be the Green Bay Packers, Uh, just to add the rivalry thing to it. So they beat the Lions this weekend. Uh, The Packers... If they win out, end up nine and eight, then they lose the last two. The Vikings lose the last two, so then they end up eight and nine. I'm trying to figure out if there's like some even even more twisted way where the Packers would end up ahead of them on a tiebreaker. Um, let's see if they would. Yeah, I like the notion though of the Vikings winning this Sunday, yeah, and then and them then losing it. the next two. Green Bay getting in by virtue of beating them two weeks prior. And the Vikings losing some tiebreaker in that scenario. Yeah, and they watch the Packers go on some crazy run or something. Yeah, I mean, and you that's watch, the most painful, I think. Yeah, and the least painful would be you just lose out. Lose out, get a better pick. Yeah, yeah, you go seven and ten, you get the better pick that a lot of fans have been clamoring for, um, because rebuilding with a better pick is easier. Yeah, um, I think that would be obviously the least painful way to do it. Just start losing and keep losing. I guess you, they already started losing. They've lost three of the last four, right? Yeah. Um, so just keep they losing. They were six and four at one point. Wow. So Yeah. Yeah, just keep losing. Um, that, would, that would be the least painful way. And uh, lose decisively, I guess, so people can just be like, ah, whatever, it's fine. Happy for Teddy. Uh, buddy Neil from London wants to know, given the chaos of backup quarterback play uh, with the Vikings and around the league is – Injured Kirk, is his price going up or down as this season plays out? Um, that's interesting because, yeah, they've been just ravaged by injuries across the league. And a lot of teams are seeing what life is like without a consistent, stable starter, which Kirk has been durable for the most part before this, obviously, uh, injury this year. What do you make of kind of where his value is when we see the landscape as Neil's talking about across the league? Well, I think it's going to depend on how concerned everybody is about his Achilles and whether this could happen again, whether he's at any more risk of it happening again because it happened once. Um, I don't know that he is, and it sounds like his Achilles is still in in pretty good shape. There was enough left that he did not need to do the speed bridge. There was enough to save a decent portion of the tendon from what he has said. I would be surprised if his camp looks at it as saying that the injury diminishes it because we have seen players come back from this enough. I mean, and you have seen players, as he said this week when he was on Adam Schefter's podcast, it's it's not just been football players. Kevin Durant had it. Kobe Bryant had it. Um, You know, a lot of athletes in other sports have come back from this and a lot of basketball players for obvious reasons. That's a sport that would put a lot of stress on your Achilles with all the cutting and jumping and landing and all that kind of stuff. But 
I would think, I mean, if he is looking at that, I mean, hey, Kobe Bryant came back from this. Was he less of a player? Was he worth less? No. Um, you don't need to diminish then my value. He's not saying he thinks he's Kobe Bryant, but I think he would say examples like that prove that you can come back from this and still be the player you were before. I would not think that his camp would look at it as a reason to diminish the value. The question will be, I I think, two things. How many other suitors are there for a 36-year-old quarterback in August who is not the most mobile quarterback, never has been, probably isn't going to be coming out of this, like how many places does he realistically have? Um, you know, Atlanta probably makes some sense. We threw out, and I don't think it'll happen because of Justin Fields or they'll go a younger route. It wouldn't make a ton of sense from where they are. But, you know, he he has familiar coaches in Chicago. Um, I don't think that's impossible to find a fit there. I, I think it would be a little odd. San Francisco was the obvious. So – is there a, a team that wants him? And then does he say, if the Vikings come to him and say, hey, we want to do it, but not at the top, top yeah. dollar, does he say, you know what? I want to end my career here. I've said that. I've made enough money. I'm going to take a little bit less. You can get JJ signed. You can get Darisaw signed. Uh, maybe have some money to work with and improve the team. And then, you know, it's legacy time. Try to go make a run, get to a Super Bowl and you ride off into the sunset off of that. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. We shouldn't overlook the timing of his injury on when we're talking about the value either because the, the value discussions will start happening in at the combine. End of February, yep. middle of February, yep. at which point he will be five months removed. Yeah, four. Four, four almost five. four. It was October 28th, 29th that it happened. It's probably enough time to have some examples for how he's doing in his recovery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I would imagine that this is going to be far enough along where he could show people where he's at. Yep. Um, I fully expect that will be the case based yeah. on people I've talked to. I yeah. think they will go to the combine ready to show teams, hey, he's this far along. He's healthy. He's going to be healthy. You don't have to view this as a huge risk yeah so that's a big part of it too of like at least being able to show that he was playing incredibly well i saw somewhere that he's still leading the nfl in um like passing touchdowns per game it might have even been passing yards per game like the efficiency efficiency stats that he had been establishing are still some that are near the top of the league in terms of volume and what he was doing and obviously they're a pass heavy offense a lot was being put on him but he was thriving with that uh, and doing well even without Justin Jefferson uh, in some of those moments there right before the injury. So, and I'll oh, go ahead. We, and we've said it a million times. <clears throat> it broke down last offseason because he wanted 2025 guaranteed and the Vikings did not want to do it. They were willing to do 2023 and 2024, but they did not want to guarantee 
a third season out for a guy who's 35 years old at that yeah, point. Yeah. Is the was the reason for that age 37? I, I've heard that a little bit. Or is the reason for that that it's three years out? Because we've heard Quasi Adolfo Mensa talk about, you know, not wanting to mortgage yourself mm. that far out. So is the fact now that age 37 would only be two years out, would they say, okay, we can do this for two years. This is less of a concern now that we're a little closer to it. Um, that's an interesting question from their perspective too. It is. Um, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see too how when the musical chairs of quarterbacks in the NFL get filled up, you know, who's still looking around for one like Kirk Cousins? And how could that change things? Because as we saw once upon a time, he leveraged the Jets. Yeah, he did. Into a better offer with the Vikings. Um, maybe, no. He's, I was going to say maybe he'll do that again, but nope. Uh, we got a question Aaron here Rogers is there. about Marcus Davenport. Says, greetings from Mexico. Do we have an update on Marcus Davenport? Kevin O'Connell was actually just asked today. He was. About Marcus, who remains on injured reserve. What did Kevin say? He said that I think that they're hopeful to get him back. It was a lot of, I mean, a lot of hedging that did not make me think that it's imminent yeah. to get him back. Um, basically, said that he's continuing to work through it. It's kind of a week to week thing. He has progressed pretty well through the rehab. What that looks like as far as when we could possibly open his window and maybe get him back. We're getting later into the season, and hopefully, we can get him back at some point. I can't tell you right now where when that's going to be. These injuries can be tricky throughout the beginning and really getting on the way back to where you feel like you can go out there. So <laughs> I wouldn't bank on it. Um, that was a whole lot of a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, it, <laughs> but I do think we, you know you start to yeah. you start to see people's tendencies when in the way they answer certain questions. Yeah. When there is a player that they're confident they're going to get back, he talks about him differently. Yes, it, there's like a yeah we we think we have a pretty good chance. He's not afraid when there is a player that they're optimistic about to say that they're optimistic about the, the guy having a, a good chance to play. He did not do that here. And yeah, that leads me to believe we uh, don't know. And yeah, we uh, yeah, we don't know. Um, so if I had to guess, yeah, I, I would guess we're not going to see Marcus Davenport play for the Vikings again. That's my guess. It's not, it's not a report. It's just a no. guess. No, and that I would have the same guess and – I, when you say again, I would. We didn't see say, him play much. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's it's not that so much as again. I would think means after this season as well. Oh, sure. I, I yeah. would be surprised. Yeah, why would they? Yeah, I would be surprised if they brought him back. Yeah, why would they? Um, you haven't got a whole lot for the, for the money there with him, and injuries have followed him from New Orleans to Minnesota. So some guys just can't stay up. And some guys just can't stay healthy, too. Um, and, yeah, maybe some buyer's remorse there. Yeah, I think there's probably some of that. And as we've talked about, those week-to-week roster bonuses, he was guaranteed to get those even if he was on injured reserve. So basically that was guaranteed money for everything except the shoulder. I think it was the right shoulder that he had had in New Orleans in the past. That is the only thing, the only injury that would prevent him from getting that 117k a week that he is getting in those per game roster bonuses even while he's on injured reserve because of course he does not have a shoulder injury it's been an ankle so he is getting paid the same even on injured reserve and yeah i i would be surprised if we see him i would be surprised if that relationship continues beyond uh, the rest of this year 
I would as well. And it's an interesting choice to look back on because the Minnesota Vikings knew very well um, going into this, his injury history. It's why that per game roster bonus, which is 2 million. So you guaranteed him 10 million tied up an additional 3 million, 2 million of which came in the per game roster bonuses. The other million was in, I think like workout bonuses. Yeah. He had a huge offseason workout. Bonus. I think it was a million, right? Yep. It was the full million, which so, again, that's not something we see them do. So point being in that, they end up they they knew what they were getting into and they still decided to give him that contract that basically says uh you know look we're we're only going to get out of some of this money if it's tied to the one shoulder injury he had twice operated on in 2022 but this is a guy that hadn't played more than 50 some percent of the snaps in any given season for the saints over five years and the saints let him walk out the door as a first round pick who they gave the fifth year option to because they were so frustrated with him that they ended up like just benching him as a rotation player toward the end of his last season. Not a good decision in hindsight to basically give him all that money. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then the one mechanism that NFL teams have, which is per game roster bonuses, we only pay you if you're out there. The team acquiesced to the clause of, well, only if you're out with a shoulder injury do we get to take that money back. Yep, and we should provide some of the context of what they were facing at the time when they did it to not saying this makes it a good decision but their pass rusher situation was very different yeah. in March than it is now because let's th- let's think back Zedarius Smith was still on the roster but they knew full well he wanted out he wanted out he wanted yeah. a new deal that was getting very complicated because he was being public about the fact that he wanted out and that makes it harder to trade a guy when everybody says we don't need to trade for him you're just going to cut him anyway why do we why do we need to give up draft pick compensation they also did not know if Daniil Hunter was going to be here at that point. I mean, that got close yeah. to being a trade even before he signed it. I, I guess it would have been right on the eve of minicamp that he signed the thing. So they were not sure if they were going to have either Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter. And the fact that Daniil Hunter is here and is having the best season of his career has helped them out an awful lot. So the Marcus Davenport thing looks like a risk that blew up in their faces which it is but I think they felt at the time like we have to do it because we're not sure if we're going to have either Zadarius Smith or Daniil Hunter I mean that is worth considering in the context of this because I think it looks desperate now but I, I think given what they had in terms of pass rushers you can see why they would have made a desperate move given how little they had as an alternative. And remember, they were supposed to bring Davenport in for his opening press conference that day, and they pulled it back because they were still trying to get contract language figured out. And it didn't get done, I think, until a couple of days later where they finally figured out all the wording in it. So, um, yeah, it, it was them backed into a corner and trying to protect themselves where they could. And that obviously hasn't worked out. The only reason they've skated through it is that Daniel Hunter is here and has been fantastic. I mean, imagine if they traded Zedarius Smith, they trade Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport is this injured. I mean, what are you doing otherwise? It's Patrick Jones, uh, DJ Wanham. Yeah, I don't know how much you're getting out of that, but that would have really had to be a spin straw into gold thing for Brian Flores, even more so than it already has been. You could have paid Daniel Hunter. That, yes, I mean they they could have paid Daniel Hunter. You could have, I mean, and I like understand fully paid Daniel Hunter. Yeah, like you could have paid him this past off season, put all that to bed, just said take the money, we believe in you, and then he's lived up to that. Yeah. Sense. Now that's again all hindsight, really easy to do in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but it's it's instructive because they're going to face this decision again in yeah. 
Um, we got a question here from Tyler. He says he's been playing with the playoff machine. He says, if the Vikings and the Buccaneers win out and the Lions lose out, the Vikings end up winning the North and then would be the four seed. He said, would you rather be the six seed and play Detroit on the road in the playoffs or be the four seed and host the Cowboys or Eagles at home? Would you even want the division at this point to just host Dude, to have one of those two teams Dallas or Philly? Yeah. Now the alternative is that they could win the division and also be the three, um, I would presume, but um, because the NFC South winner could be below them, right? Yeah. Theoretically. Well, I think if Tampa wins out, Tampa would jump them, I think is okay. what he's talking about in that yeah, scenario because yeah. the week one tiebreaker. Yeah. So there's a, my point. Yeah. I only bring this up to say and convolute it further to say that if there is a chance they could win the division and be the three. So there it's is. not like they have to be the four. Right. And win the division. If they went out and the Lions lose to the Cowboys yeah. in week 17, they would win the division. And then if the Bucks would lose once, they would be the three. So then they could host the six, whoever that would be, Detroit again, or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But would you, point is, would you rather play Detroit in the playoffs again or have any chance of playing Dallas or Philly? Yeah, me too. I mean, I just don't, I think that's a better matchup. I would rather play the quarterback, Jared Goff, than Prescott or Hurts. I'd rather, yeah, I, yeah. And, and I think I'd even rather play a team a third time in a series than have to play Philly a second time or Dallas a first time. Yep, I agree with that. And I think, I mean, we talked about it on the Wednesday show, the Brian Flores, Jared Goff history. And, yeah. you know, Kevin O'Connell said Wednesday, don't, it's easy to connect dots, don't necessarily do it. But it's like, well, <laughs> It happened, Patriots, Rams in a Super Bowl, and it happened, Dolphins, Rams, two years later, yeah. different personnel. Um, the dot becomes a little easier to connect. I understand the point, because Goff obviously is in a different system with different people, as is Flores. So um, but how's this both for, those variables have changed. How's this for a point, though? Jared Goff was the most blitzed quarterback in the NFL last year. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Yep. Like it's so yeah. Eat him up. You, you connecting these dots are doing it rightfully. So O'Connell probably publicly just doesn't want to be like, yeah, they're, they're connecting the same dots. Yeah. We're going to blitz right the now. hell out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he just doesn't this guy gonna, can't handle it. <laughs> guy, and we know it. He's just not going to come out and say it. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. They've had great history. Flores has had great history against golf and why wouldn't they want that matchup? And I think that's why I think it's going to be a close game on Sunday. Certainly. Um, all right. McNugget says nobody wants to talk about losing games but if this team loses out and drafts around 10 to 12 pick 10 to 12 as opposed to 20 to 22 that would be franchise altering or could be franchise altering um he said you wouldn't have to give up the whole farm to trade up for a quarterback from 10 to 12 ben what do you say to people who would um advocate for tanking well and maybe not even tanking just rooting for losing yeah i i mean (laughs) I think it's easier to I'm I'm generally not like a big tank guy because you just I mean there's enough variance with these draft picks yeah. that hey we get to pick high it's like you're not assured that the next guy you get is going to be a Hall of Famer. Look at CJ Stroud. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean or on the other side of it Carson Wentz, Trey yeah. Lance, Jared Goff, Bryce Young, Mitch Trubisky. I mean if they, you're, you would think they're not going to miss that badly on it, but it's yeah. not impossible that they would. So, I would. 
I'm not generally in favor of it. I would say if they were in this boat with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback, I would say shoot your shot. I think it's a little harder to fault people for saying let's just play for the draft pick when you don't probably have the quarterback situation that makes you think you're going to go or have any kind of chance to go on a run. Um, I can understand that thought process a little bit um, because it, it would change things if they're picking, say, 10th and you feel like you can either move up to get one of those quarterbacks or you feel like there's still one at 10 that, or maybe even six or seven that you feel good about. It gets tricky when there's going to possibly be so much of the top 10 tied up in the NFC North where the Bears are going to have these picks. The Packers could be picking that high. Um, finding trade partners for, hey, we want to go draft a franchise quarterback that could alter the the shape of this division for the next 10 years, both for us and for you if you're playing against him. What do you think of a deal? I think it's a little different than, hey, we want a wide receiver and you're trading back because you have guys on your draft board. I mean, Quasi's not going to call in the favor with Gutekunst. It's like, hey, come on. I can't see it. <laughs> I, and and is, is Ryan Poles going to do it? Also, I mean, yeah, Green Bay won't be high enough probably to take. No, it'd be Chicago. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's still a Green Bay maybe in the top 10. Yeah. Although I guess if they lose out, then the Packers would go behind them too. Um, yeah, I, I think the quarterback thing gets a little trickier just given the number of high picks that could be in the NFC North. But it's also really hard to got to sort out the draft strategy or the draft order in week 15 or wherever we are when there are so many teams just bunched up yeah. from six and eight to eight and six at this point yeah I, the only advice i have for fans is i don't feel bad if you're rooting for losing because as you said nick mullins probably isn't taking you to the promised land if this were josh dobbs continuing the magic from the falcons and saints games and you thought boy this is a, a player that has been new discovered and the NFL didn't see him coming and this maybe is something, the start of something, then sure, you would be rooting for that to continue on. But I don't think this Nick Mullins-led offense is going to pull a Nick Foles and lead him to the Super yeah. Bowl. I just I don't think this Vikings team is equipped the way that Eagles team was either for the Super Bowl or any backup quarterback-led team that has made a Super Bowl before, like the Ravens or whatever. Um, I, I just don't think that yeah, I don't think they're there. And I think the development and the success stories of the Ivan Paces and the Josh Metellises and Caleb Evans, if you want to go that far, like can't those, them probably. Yeah, those have already been written and those are already already successes, even if you lose out. And in those moments, those growing moments have already happened. And you could argue that losing would, you know, spurn some of that development if those players don't want to taste that or feel that again. So I think I think there's nothing wrong with rooting for losing at this point because, yeah, you've seen San Francisco. I know they beat them, but that was that was with Kirk Cousins and it was without some key pieces on on San Francisco. Without Debo without Trent Williams. Yeah, I don't want it. If I'm banged up. If I'm this Vikings team, I don't want any part of Dallas, San Fran, even Philly, with how vulnerable they looked on one sick game from Jalen Hurts. Um, I guess they've lost some other games too, but yeah, I don't know. I just don't think this team's going anywhere. I think they need some some better talent i think they just need more you know blue chip talent as they say um and then i think they could kind of regroup and go from there yeah and and maybe if you lose maybe brian flores is staying well yes <laughs> i mean there's that 
piece of it. And then if they were to go on a run next year that gets Brian Flores a job, yeah. they get a pick for Brian yeah. Flores if he leaves after 24. They do not get one if he leaves after 23. If it's a minority candidate that gets a head coaching job, he has to stay two years for you to get the compensatory pick on that, under that new rule. So there's that if you want to throw it in the equation. But I think a lot of this comes down to, I mean, what they're going to do at the end of the year is sit down, and they did it last year. And we saw what their answer was based on the fact they got rid of guys like Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen. Their process is going to be sitting down and saying, how good are we really? Yeah. Obviously, they looked at it last year and said, we weren't as good as our record showed. And we all kind of said it. And I think behind closed doors, they admitted that to themselves. Um, They were doing that early in the season when they decided to stay in, when they decided not to trade guys away to keep the team together. They felt like this is going in the right direction. And I think you know that's been a defensible decision by the fact that they've gone three and three without Kirk Cousins and they got themselves back to, I mean, they're, they're six and three since that one and four start. So um, their process is going to be sitting down and trying to peer beyond the record and whatever narratives may come with it and say, how good are we really? How close are we really? And then make your decisions accordingly. Um, you know, that is, I think, a tricky thing, but I, I do think there are people in the front office, whether it's Quasi Adolfo Mensa, Kevin O'Connell, not in the front office, but the head coach, certainly a big voice yeah. in these decisions, the scouting department, I think a lot of people look at this and say, I, I think they look at it with pretty clear eyes in terms of where the blue chip talent is or where it's not and what they need to do to get there. I, I don't think anybody is, and we've said this before, I think with the previous regime sometimes there was a little bit of this Pollyannish thinking sometimes where it's, well, we're going to fix the things that went wrong and the things that went right are going to go right again and we're off to the races. I don't know that Quasey thinks that way. I think the, the probabilistic thinking allows him to say, well, yeah, we had this thing go right, but odds are it's not going to go the same way again. And let's not just assume that, oh, yeah, we got that problem figured out. We'll just go figure out the other ones and we're good. I, I don't think that's how they think. And I think the fact that they have as many decisions to make as they do and as many holes to fill as they do, I, I expect they'll approach that with pretty clear eyes. Clear eyes, full hearts. Um, we will talk to you Could guys. Lose. Could help to lose. <laughs> Could lose. We'll talk to you guys next time. Right after we trademark that phrase. Sunday from U.S. Bank Stadium. Please check out all of our work at startribune.com.